Welcome to Title Unboxed. In this, our first episode of Focus on the Fighter, we're going to be shining the spotlight on a heavyweight who changed not just his division, but the sport as a whole. Jack Dempsey is one of my favorite fighters. Dempsey wasn't the biggest or best heavyweight of his era. He admittedly, in his autobiography, ducked a couple of fighters and lacked finesse. Yet in spite of that, he ushered in the new era, was the epitome of toughness, tenacity, and he changed the game. You know, I'm not going to go through his whole history, but want to touch on a few interesting facts and review some milestones that set him apart. Dempsey's parents, Hiram and Celia, were originally from West Virginia, but heard the message of missionaries and joined in their trek across the country, out west, closer to Utah, where the Mormon population was migrating to. They ended up settling in Manassa, Colorado, which is where Jack Dempsey's nickname, the Manassa Mauler, came from. That is where the story starts, and kind of where fate starts to unfold. The Dempseys were a very poor family, but one fateful night, they were visited by a hobo asking for help. Celia, being very compassionate and kind-hearted, provided lodging, a warm meal, and a place by the fire for their visitor. In return, he offered for her to take anything from his backpack as payment. For whatever reason, she took a book, and it was the biography of John L. Sullivan. In a matter of hours, she read the book from cover to cover, and although Jack wasn't even born yet, she reportedly told her midwife, I want my son to be a heavyweight champion too. I guess that's mother's intuition at work, right? After that, although the Dempsey brothers all tried their hands at prize fighting, it was Jack's older brother, Bernie, who ventured into the pros first and brought back what he learned to his younger brothers. Jack was the hungriest, though, and caught on faster. One of these tactics was chewing pine gum to toughen your jaw and to increase your ability to take punches. Jack employed this concept religiously, and that might be one explanation for his phenomenal ability to take a punch and for possessing a perfectly square jawline. Another extreme tactic or training method that came from Bernie was having Jack routinely soak his face in brine, which is basically salt water and beef broth, to toughen his skin and harden it against facial damage or being cut. He knew that his brother's come-forward aggressive style would make him offensively formidable, but would also require any added defensive precautions they could take. It ultimately toughened Jack's skin, played into his rugged features, but would be shocking for skin care professionals today. Regardless, I don't recall him ever being cut or bleeding in any fight, so, so there's that. Bernie would also train Jack by swinging a broom handle back and forth over his brother to practice bobbing and weaving and avoiding being hit flush. He would also move it around in front of him and encourage Jack to hit the end of it. This was intended to improve his timing, accuracy, and reflexes. You don't have to look very far into current training technology to see modern-day devices being reinvented and replicating these same types of approaches and principles. Solid training practices never go out of style. Okay, so now going back to an interesting antidote is that Jack and his family's religious beliefs also became a part of American vernacular that many people don't know. If you've heard the term Jack Mormon used, that was because although Dempsey was a member of the Mormon church, he was working in the coal mines at an early age, and you can imagine what type of environment that was. So as a young boy, he drank, smoked, chased women, which were all against the church's standards. As a result, the phrase Jack Mormon became popular to describe any member of the church who lived outside the rules of the congregation or anyone who shunned their church duties. Now, going back to training methods, although Jack Dempsey's brothers taught him some of the early bobbing and weaving style he would become known for, the signature Dempsey Crouch was actually perfected through circumstance. 
One of Jack's friends and sparring partners, Fred Woods, his dad owned a livery stable in town. The boys often met and trained in the shed out back of the stable. The shed just happened to have a four-foot high ceiling, so the fighters had to crouch down to very low to move around. Of course, this helped develop tremendous back and leg strength. It also forced them to sit down more naturally on their punches. Taking that into, into account, anytime he would get out and into a normal sparring set setting, Jack and his brothers began to notice the benefits of how he used his legs and lower body to generate power. As a result, Dempsey adopted this posture throughout his entire career, and it played a huge part in his natural strength and punching power. You know, it's ironic that this primitive training environment that simply came out of, came out of necessity ultimately helped Dempsey become one of the most progressive fighters of his day and one of the most ferocious punchers of all time. As he moved on in his career, it's interesting that none of these unusual training practices were lost on Dempsey as he progressed through the boxing ranks. He created his signature style by incorporating all sorts of different training methods to hone his unique crouching stance and famous two-fisted attack, and you can see glimpses throughout his entire career. There are images of Dempsey incorporating a full-sized freestanding heavy bag that was shaped like an opponent, and also a bag hung with cords similar to a double-M bag that was also shaped like a human torso. Because of where he came from, he understood the power of being resourceful, mimicking real-life situations, and being innovative. He clearly understood the concept of how you train is how you fight. Ultimately, Jack Dempsey made his first biggest impression when he secured a fight with the seemingly unbeatable Jess Willard. Willard was highly regarded due to his size and the fact that he was the giant who beat Jack Johnson. What made such a dramatic impression on the fans was that the much smaller heavyweight not only upset Willard, but they absolutely destroyed him. In spite of having a size advantage of six or seven inches and more than 40 or 50 pound weight difference, Dempsey knocked the champion down seven times in the first round. Willard suffered a broken cheekbone, five of his teeth were completely knocked out, he sustained two broken ribs, and even suffered some long-term hearing loss in what was a savage beating. On July 4th, 1919, Jack Dempsey won the heavyweight championship of the world in three short, brutal rounds, but more importantly, captured the attention of the American boxing public. The difference was that Dempsey was unlike any other fighter that boxing fans had seen before. Prior to the Manasseh Mahler coming onto the scene, spectators were used to watching most fighters compete in a more gentlemanly, reserved, or civilized fashion. However, Dempsey's approach could be described as anything but that. His downright nasty demeanor in the ring and take-no-prisoners philosophy took the sport to places it had never been before. His unique, action-packed style, this performance, and his subsequent defenses changed the game as we know it, forever. It was this Dempsey that would go on to be a major influence on fighters after him, including boxing legend Sonny Liston and later Mike Tyson. Another I-can't-believe-what-I'm-watching moment in the Dempsey story occurred in the, the last successful defense of his heavyweight title. Jack Dempsey met Luis Furpo at the New York Polo Grounds in a back-and-forth, unpredictable brawl that no one had expected to see. The 85,000 people in attendance watched Furpo get dropped five times, who then turned around and knocked Dempsey down, all within the first two minutes of the fight. Furpo visited the canvas two more times before battling back to knock Dempsey completely out of the ring. The Manasseh Mahler was clearly dazed and barely beat the count, but came back to win the closing seconds of the round. Enraged and out for revenge, Dempsey came out guns a-blazing for the second round and put Furpo down two more times to end the fight. Artist George Bellows was so inspired by that fight that night that he created the famous painting, Dempsey and Furpo. It is one of my favorite boxing images for many reasons that I'll, I'll save for later. 
But on September 14, 1923, boxing fans witnessed some of the wildest, most exciting four minutes in heavyweight history. And this particular bout also led into another history-making moment in Dempsey's career. A short time after the roller coaster ride with Furpo, after that bout, a new rule came into play. It was regarding knockdowns and that, and that a fallen fighter would have 10 seconds after his opponent moved to a neutral corner to get to his feet. Before then, a fighter was allowed to stand over his opponent and as soon as his gloves left the canvas, he was able to engage again. The new rule was not yet mandatory in all bouts, but heading into the Tunney fight, the Dempsey camp asked for it to be put into use. Was that because of the, his knockdown dragout brawl against Furpo? Did Dempsey think, based on that bout, that this new rule might help him? You know, no one can go back and connect the, all the dots, but you have to wonder if this experience for Dempsey might have also cost him later against Cheen Tunney in their 1927 rematch. The fight became known for the controversial long count, but it's really about the newly instated neutral corner rule. After dropping Tunney with a seven-punch combination, Dempsey tried to stay near his fallen opponent, which had been the traditional rule. It took the referee four to five seconds to push Dempsey towards a neutral corner, so calling it a long count isn't all that accurate. It was Dempsey's mistake for not recalling the new rule that had been put into place. Dubbing the controversy as the long count makes it sound like the referee did something wrong, when in fact, it was a simple memory lapse by Dempsey. All things considered, Dempsey did great things for boxing. He came from nothing, but drew huge crowds, set financial and attendance records, including the first million dollar gate against George Carpentier in 1921. You know, he was a flawed fighter, but a humble human being. One of my favorite quotes of his is, nobody owes anybody a living, but everybody is entitled to a chance. Jack Dempsey certainly took his chance, made a living, headlines, and changed boxing history. Thank you for watching this episode of Title Unboxed. If you're anything like me, you can never get too much boxing. So if you'd like to watch more episodes, you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and on our Title Boxing YouTube page.